You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. We're on the line with Uncle Tebow, not Jacob Goins today. Our good friend Jacob Goins is on the road with Lee Scott in the state playoffs over on Tiger Country, Country 104.5 today. So I will be your official host of On the Line, the show that calls it like it is and holds nothing back for the next two hours, 334-321-1390, if you want to get in with us. And I've got a special co-host today, folks. I am talking about a treat right here, a local legend in radio joining yours truly, Uncle T, my man, the man, the myth, the legend from WA&I News Talk, brother Ben Taylor. Ben, how are you today? I'm doing well. Should I? It, now, I've heard uh, Jack refer to you as Unc, <laughs> which... I really don't want to do that. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> uh, T-Bone will be fine, see, or Wade, Uncle or... T, T-Bone. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, when I heard him that, that day, I, I heard him say, and I, I literally texted Jacob. I said, did he just say Unk on the air? And he said, yes. Yes. Said, oh, my goodness. I said, you know, we're talking about a talented guy that just, it did not, when you know Jack and you know his persona, and I hope he's listening right now. I'm sure he is. <laughs> Him using slang just does not go over. He's almost like he's already a dad. You know what I mean? He's an old soul. (laughs) And I told him, I said, listen, young man, I've got underwear older than you. I know. So let's just have a good time on this show and let it rip, right? No doubt. You know, he talks about the the new age of college football, and I'm trying to talk about the wishbone (laughs) on that 94.3 show. So we had a great time this fall. Jack might be calling in from uh, the rumor on the street is. Okay. uh, no, Ben, I really appreciate you being here, yeah, uh, co-hosting with me, wingmanning with me. Like I said uh, in the intro, Jacob Goins, JG, he will be on the Lee Scott Sports Network here at 2 o'clock. Lee Scott is uh, in the uh, private school basketball playoffs, so you can check them out over at Tiger Country 104.5 or tigercountry.net for the Lee Scott Sports Network. we got a ton to talk about, man. You know, this time of year, there are all sorts of things. Things mm-hmm. happening in sports. We've got a big basketball game tonight in Neville Arena. Most Auburn fans are hoping for a uh, get-right game against the hapless Vanderbilt Commodores. They're all football. They're bad. Football <laughs> never stops. Nope. It never stops. There's news of new coaches. We were going to get your reaction on that. I'm very interested to hear what you think mm. and what callers think about the hiring of DJ Durkin as defensive coordinator for Auburn. We're going to have a live report that's right folks from the senior bowl we've been in studio for a hot minute watching uh senior bowl uh practice and there are some talented young players looking to make their mark and head to the nfl zach blackerby Mm -hmm. locked on auburn our good friend will be calling in and giving us a senior bowl update he's down there with double d daryl dapridge uh sec action tonight tennessee telling the ncaa to shove it so let's just i mean there's a ton to talk about brother 
Yeah, there is. And uh, you, you mentioned um, the Senior Bowl. I, they've, now they've cut them. I was hoping we'd watch practice while we were doing the show, but they've gone with McAfee instead. So they've cut away from coverage as far as ESPN is concerned. But uh, I, I, I am excited to, to talk about, number one, hoops. Uh, and, and the reason being is just because I think people are down after the last week. I know this is a good, as you talked about it, a bounce-back game. Uh, however, uh, it ain't going to get easier. Ole Miss pulled out a close one last night against Mississippi State at home. Uh, Got to face them on Saturday. Don't need to start looking ahead and looking past Vanderbilt. Uh, we'll get into that in a segment a little bit later as uh, T-Bone's got the line for you, which both of us are a little shocked about. But I guess when you look at the history of how they won in Nashville – However, when it was in Nashville, there wasn't hardly any crowd there. That was during Snowmageddon up there in Nashville. No, so. it seemed like there were more Auburn uh, <laughs> Auburn fans up there, kind of a Nashville takeover like the football game. They were because every time they showed a picture of the end zone, because that's what they that's what they that's where they sit. Right. They let all the Auburn fans sit behind them in the end zone. So it looked, and then when they showed the end zone of Vanderbilt, there were not a ton of Vanderbilt fans sitting yeah, down it's, there. It's hard to see the crowd. Like most college coliseums, you can see if you know you got a good crowd or not. Mm-hmm. But up there on TV, I don't know how where they put that camera. Mm. I mean, it, and, and you can barely see anybody, and then the court sits up, yes. and some of the fans sit down low. So it's always a very, very weird place to uh, watch a basketball game, even on television. So they'll be coming down to a nice arena tonight mm-hmm. that everybody likes here, and I'm sure Auburn fans are going to fill up. Unfortunately, shocker, another late tip-off. It's driving me crazy, Ben. It drives me nuts just because I, I get up so early in the morning. However, I will say that, uh, and I had that discussion this morning uh, on the air where I said I don't mind it so much since I'm I hope it's a blowout by half so I can go to sleep uh, but I don't mind it so much because this is a great game for students to get involved they don't mind the 8 p.m. tip-offs at yeah, all they're just kind of waking up right so the loud portion of Neville Arena will be ready to go at 8 instead of you know, as I said, it beats those Barbie years where literally they were trying to pay us to tip off at two thirty, so they wouldn't have to, so they'd have something to fill airtime on the SEC I mean, network. I could right go there. down to the Frank Brown wreck and, <laughs> and watch basketball to beat those uh, Tony Barbie years, my friend. So, look, in case you've missed it, uh, you've just tuned into Old Guy Radio. We're complaining about yeah. tip off times and going to bed at halftime. So, give us a call at three three four three two one thirteen ninety. A lot of basketball talk. We're going to get into that first, but let's just try and begin to put a a wrap around this mm-hmm. DJ Dur. Birkin Hire, the former head coach at Maryland, yep. right, who gotten, you know, who who there was a, a massive controversy up there with a player, unfortunately, that passed away while he was the head coach during some uh, workouts that um, he was not present at. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was there, and and the and and was cleared of any wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. The board of regents up there decided that they wanted to bring him back after the investigation, and there was such a public outcry mm-hmm. up there around the Maryland, especially DC area. We don't need to get into that type media, mm-hmm. and and was then let go. Took a little time off. Ended up at Alabama as some type of analyst slash observer, and then was began his rehab and rode back into college football as the defensive coordinator for a couple of years at Ole Miss and then was hired away at Texas A&M. Mm. I'm okay with this hire. In fact, I'm more than thrilled about it. Mm-hmm. Some of the reaction on Twitter, even from Auburn fans, has been awfully negative. Ben, what do you think about this hire? I think that, number one, from a fan reaction standpoint, I think it's a very uneducated uh, what folks are when they when they're sitting there and they're saying they don't like it and it's bad PR. Uh, if if 
first off, if you're a Bama fan and you're making fun of this hire, then something's wrong with you because, honestly, if Saban does not retire, more than likely he is going to be the defensive coordinator at the University of Alabama in the, in the coming seasons. And so uh, – and, and nothing was said about that. Um, I also – don't understand why the blowback and everybody goes well. It's a certain situ- it's a different situation because the kid uh, that passed in in Maryland it was from being overworked and and training and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I said, you know, we didn't see this kind of blowback from LSU when Brian Kelly was hired, and there was a, a the film kid that fell off the scaffolding because of the high winds at practice uh, that lost his life at Notre Dame, and that was on the coach's watch. They were doing practice. And let's just call it what it is. He was told to get up there and film practice like you would any other day. And so um, right. and so that took place and nobody said a word. So uh, I'm, I'm okay with the hire. Uh, everybody likes to point out the fact that he was recruiter of the year at one point in time. Keep in mind that was also 12 years ago. So 2012 yeah, so. when he was at Florida. He kind of comes from that Will Muschamp yeah. uh, coaching tree, which is really kind of that coaching tree that was started by Nick Saban on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. People forget that Will Muschamp was with Nick Saban for a very long time at LSU mm. and also with the Miami Dolphins. Look, you know, some of this criticism is just outrageous. Mm-hmm. My immediate reaction to the criticism from opposite fans when they say ugly things on Twitter, and I know it's Twitter, it's a cesspool, but what a killer hire. Hashtag hydrate. Hashtag pray for your players. What a bunch of sickos. Yeah. Okay. But that's Twitter. Yeah. You know, it's a cesspool. Charles Barkley even said he doesn't even go to Twitter because it's so bad. And Chuck can take a lot and he's a tough guy. What really bothers me, though, is when the faux outrage is coming from actual Auburn fans. Mm hmm. And there's nothing that none of these complaints are, hey, he's just not a very good defensive coordinator. Hey, I got the statistics that say he's going to not get it done here. Look at what he did at X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. Because even at Texas A&M in a weird year, they had the 19th ranked defense in the country Mm -hmm. this past year. So I think there's a lot of faux outrage. And I hate to put it to you like this. You mentioned Brian Kelly. My response is, should we rename Pat Dye Field now? Yeah, yeah. That's... Those who don't remember, I mean, there were some issues that took place in the it was early 80s. It was in the 1983 season 83 during season. the summer of an Auburn running back while doing workouts in 96-degree weather had a heart issue and passed away. His name was Greg Pratt. Mm-hmm. Some of the ugliest ugly ugliness then from opposing fans, there was no Twitter. No. Obviously, we were both alive then and no. know that. No Twitter, no Facebook. Heck, I didn't even have cable TV in 1983. No, no but what, computer in the house. But what people had was T-shirts, and Florida Gator fans shows yes. up with T-shirts that said Pratt went splat during that football game in 1983. Oh, people are crazy, and they're, they're and, and you know what? It's that old country song, uh, God is good, and, and so, you know, people yeah. are crazy, right? Yeah. So uh, I, that the, from the opposing fans, it just rolls off my, my back. But I think DJ Durkin's a fantastic hire, mm-hmm. and I think you're about to put him with Charles Kelly, another former uh, defensive coordinator and no doubt excellent recruiter right who's now. More, who's been a more re- recent 
recruiter. Yeah, been a, as been opposed a, to the 2012 yeah. uh, recruiter. Be, you know, it'd be interesting to get Charles Kelly in here and actually be able to talk to him about what it was like coaching with Deion Sanders. Oh, I could only imagine. I, I mean, bet he's got some stories. He runs a tight ship. I will give him that. I, I, yeah. From what I've heard, uh, he does run a tight ship. So, uh, uh, T-Bone, we need to get to break because I've been summoned by Zach Blackerby. says he's ready because apparently he can only go till uh, for a certain amount of time. So we'll get to our first break, and then whenever we come back, we got Zach waiting in the wings. We'll talk Senior Bowl. He actually is getting to watch practice right now while the rest of us are not. Uh, so maybe he can tell us something that's, that's breaking as well as that. So uh, it's on the line. Uh, as T-Bone said, we'll take your calls in a little bit, not while Zach's talking to you, but after that we will. And uh, get your reaction because I'd love to hear what some of the – especially some of the fans that are totally against it. Give me, give me a why. Give me a why after you hear the facts – and then we'll go from there. Uh, Auburn, and it's, I almost did it. Did you hear me? Yes, you did. I, we I said the over-under on that, so I'll take it from there. Give us a call <laughs> uh, after Zach Blackberry comes on with uh, Locked On Auburn. The phone lines will be open at the bottom of the hour, 334-321-1390. This is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. You are on the line. I am Uncle T-Bone here with Brother Ben Taylor from WANI News Talk. Filling in for our good friend Jacob Goins, who's on the road. Safe travels out there with the Lee Scott Sports Network. We're going to take it down to Mobile, Alabama. Our man, Zach Blackerby. With the Locked On Auburn Network, he is covering the Senior Bowl for us. We want to talk to him about what's going on down there and maybe a little basketball talk. Zach, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Yeah, the Locked On Auburn Network, we are heading, uh, we're actually heading back from Mobile uh, right now. That's awesome. Uh, it, it, you were telling me before we came on, you guys had a chance. I didn't know Freeze was going to be down there today. You guys actually had a chance to visit with you, Freeze. We did, yeah. We just got done talking to him. We recorded a show, and then we uh, we packed up the the truck. But yeah, obviously, it's the first time we've gotten to hear from Freeze since hiring DJ Durkin, since hiring Charles Kelly, since bringing you know Wesley McGriff back, uh, and then obviously um, since bringing on Derek Nix as offensive coordinator. So um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, good stuff. And obviously, he's really high on all the guys that he's brought in. Well, let's unpack it a little bit because that was what we were talking about right before you came on. Uh, Durkin is still – I'm looking at Twitter right now. I mean, there are people still not happy with it. Some people think it's a, a home run hire. Uh, your thoughts after what you, you talked uh, to Freeze today and what he had to say? Yeah, I mean, when you talk to people in the industry, they think it's a home run hire. They think it's a slam dunk. They think it makes all the sense in the world. It's uh, – you know, it's the, the folks on social media that want to complain about something because complaining about things makes you cool. That's that's what folks don't um, – th- those are the types of folks that don't like it. it. It makes a ton of sense. He knows what it takes um, to, to compete in the SEC. He's a good defensive mind. And something that Freeze just – you know, he was saying, like, okay, he brings a lot to the program, and then somebody kind of pressed a little bit and said, okay, well, what exactly does he bring to the program? And an example – that he talked about was how simple he puts everything, his ability to communicate and to teach, and the way he labels things defensively makes it very easy for players and other coaches all to kind of be on the same page. Now the theme of uh, Freeze's presser just now. 
being on the same page over and over and over again, which you can almost kind of read between the lines and say him talking about being on the same page now might insinuate that the staff wasn't on the same page a year ago. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think D.J. Durkin's a great hire. Zach, before we uh, talk about some of the Auburn players down there that are representing Auburn University in the Senior Bowl, any other comments from Freeze that you can share with us uh, about Charles Kelly, about McGriff, and the the transition of the the, the newer coaches as opposed to a couple of the guys going back? And also, real quick, there's some reports that Auburn defensive line coach Jeremy Garrett has interviewed with the Jacksonville Jaguars today or yesterday. Uh, any thoughts on that as well? Yeah, so a lot, a lot, a lot there, Tebow. So let's start with Charles Kelly. He talked about Charles Kelly and his humility um, because he's impressed with what he's been able to do in his career so far. And they haven't worked together before, Freeze and Kelly, but he did talk about going up against him a ton. Uh, in the recruiting battles. And so, obviously, um, that's been tough for Hugh Freeze. He kind of made that joke. It's like, I've hated going up against him on the recruiting front, and so it's good that he's back at Auburn. He also talked about how he sat in on the interviews for the defensive coordinator job, and not once did he kind of pick at anybody and say, hey, it should be mine. You know, I should be the leader of the defense. That never came up. Um, so I, I think that kind of says a lot about Charles Kelly, and you know he wants Auburn to win. He doesn't want Charles Kelly to win. He wants Auburn to win. So obviously that was huge. He was asked about bringing Wesley McGriff back, and Free said that this is now his third time that he's hired McGriff, and so that should speak for itself. You know he loves uh, Coach McGriff, and and he thinks the world of him is what he said there. Um, as far as Jeremy Garrett interviewing for NFL jobs, I hadn't heard that. That's that's news to me. But obviously. Um, in today's state of college football, if you have to pick between a college coaching job and an NFL coaching job, you're going to pick the NFL one. I mean, it's just so tough. Hmm. Yeah, to I almost feel, the- yeah, I almost feel like that the roles have reversed. There, it was used to be that, like Nick Saban coming back to Alabama, that he, you know, from Miami, that there were players making more than him, and he couldn't, you know, control them because of their contracts and stuff. And now, now that's kind of flipped. Yeah, it's more work. It's more work, and the pay's not substantially different unless you know you're in a unique situation. So, uh, if you're a position coach for an NFL team, you may tell the GM or the president or whoever's over your player personnel, "Hey, I like these guys in the draft. I like these guys in free agency." And they get them. Great. If they don't, whatever. You got to coach the guys in your room, regardless. Uh, that's not how it works for the college level. And now, even in today's version of modern college football. You got to be mindful. Like if I'm too hard on this freshman and he doesn't play a ton, he may leave. So I've got to be constantly aware of recruiting my own guys if I want them in the future. Hmm. So it's it's too much. Things need to change. I don't know what the answers are, but yeah, I would not blame him at all if he uh, if he left for the NFL. I know we only got you for a couple of minutes. I did. You touched base with me right before we came on the air. Uh, give me your top three things that you've noticed at Senior Bowl in regards to Auburn football players that are involved in this? Jalen Simpson was everywhere. I think Jalen Simpson made him some money this week. Talked to an NFL scout earlier in the week. I asked him before Senior Bowl practices started. I'm like, who's the best rated Auburn guy on y'all's board? They said Jalen Simpson. I thought it would be DJ James or even Marcus Harris, but without hesitation, it was Jalen Simpson. They loved his ranginess. They loved his kind of just ability to be a ball hawk and just kind of feel for the game of football. And so they loved Jalen Simpson. Um, 
other things, other things. Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett's very, very fast. Uh, you and I talked about it before, but he got clocks going over 20 miles an hour. That'll get you a speeding ticket if you're in a school zone, so you take that in a heartbeat. And then I guess the third thing is um, you know, Marcus Harris, uh, he had a few reps that were incredible. He had a few reps where he looked like an average defensive lineman, but that's a guy that's going to have to play a little bit bigger than he probably actually is. And so he showed uh, glimpses of that in the first two practices of the week. I know you got to go because you got another place you got to be. So uh, tell us how people find you and how they can find out all this information that you've been, uh, you're, you're going to be about you and Double D from Double D Mondays on News Talk WANI, uh, how they can find yeah. you guys. Yeah, Locked on Auburn, available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. You can also check out our written work at auburndaily.com. We are uploading uh, Hugh Freeze's full press there on the Locked on Auburn YouTube channel right now as we speak. It should actually be up by now. So. You can check out. Uh, you can check out all that. And as always, a little self promotion. Uh, a little bit later on this evening, because I've been stuck here at the station today. You can also check out Braves today. There'll be a podcast that'll be coming up shortly. We get a new Braves today podcast with you and Lindsey Crosby later today. Yeah, a little bit later on this evening. Yes, it's going to be later because I'm stuck here till four. So give me give me a moment. <laughs> I uh, I can't wait. I can hardly wait to get home to watch you and Lindsey chop it up over at Braves today. Hey Zach, well, if y'all haven't passed it yet up I sixty five, y'all don't mind swinging in when you get to Greenville and the Bates House of Turkey and uh-huh. picking up a couple of wraps for me. I really appreciate it, buddy. I work on that. Daryl Dapper is driving, and he is the slowest driver I've ever seen. <laughs> Nehemiah Pritchett runs faster life. than Daryl drives. There you go. Nehemiah Pritchett. Nehemiah Pritchett runs faster than Daryl drives. <laughs> As always, but. He's so mad right now. <laughs> uh, he, just, he just told me I'm number one. So that's good. <laughs> As always, we appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> See you guys. I'll be there in about three days. All right. <laughs> it's on the Oregon Trail. Yeah, exactly. Zach Blackerby locked on Auburn. Uh, they've got. I've already seen some little excerpts that they've done as far as some Twitter stuff, as well as uh, some stuff online with some Instagram. And uh, they're trying to keep people updated about what's going on at the Senior Bowl because they're one of the few that's not a. Even though they have a written site, you can go to uh, you know Auburn Daily and check out right. the, the articles. But uh, unlike most, they're trying to keep you up up to date with stuff normally like you know as as like as time goes throughout the day so uh instead of waiting yeah, they're till, not just one and done well they're not waiting till 10 30 tonight to hit a deadline so it just hits you know it hits online this evening so but it looks uh, like watching some of these videos of him and uh double d on twitter you can check them out at mm-hmm. uh, at uh, z blackerby mm-hmm. looks like they're having a good old time down there they do uh zach is uh he's he's in tune with what's going on as far as auburn is concerned i do find it interesting because he's it's it's something i've learned about him involved in this is not only is he a host and he's of course he was with us for a while he did he did Auburn Open like this morning before I did and so uh, and he was actually on ESPN 1067 as he did uh, a, a daily lunch show that we used to have uh, lunch break uh, not, you know a, a while back and and so um, the one thing I've noticed about him is he looks at it almost like an assistant coach like when you hear him talking about and breaking stuff down uh, it's it, it is not he doesn't sound like a radio host talking about it he sounds right. more like a you know like a sideline guy talking about it like somebody that watches film so uh, good stuff there on Marcus Harris Nehemiah Pritchett I, I saw the Nehemiah Pritchett tweet and uh, T-Bone I gotta tell you he is the uh, fourth fastest and he's only a few tenths of a second behind number one at the, I keep wanting to call it combine. It's not. It's the Senior right. Bowl, but might as well be a mini combine. Sure, because uh, there's a ton of NFL coaches and scouts that are there watching. Yeah, and so um, it, he has. It, that's what it, he told me that 
Simpson was going to be making himself some money because he was kind of low on the radar, and then he got here or got to the Senior Bowl, and all of a sudden he is showing everybody what he can do. Uh, he said, but as soon as they started putting the pads on, they let guys run around, and you know, Pritchett's running, I think, uh, clocked at 20.7 miles per hour or something like that. Goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you don't think that's very fast, and I don't recommend this, but it, I've been in a slight – fender bender at 20 miles per hour yes and uh i walked away with a heck of a bruise yeah so 20 miles per hour is fast folks yeah and that that lets that also lets you know i mean you you brought the you know mentioned schools or he mentioned school zone like right. getting you a ticket i mean there's seriously there's a reason that That's you're right. supposed to drive that slow and and because uh, this guy can run that fast. I mean, he's going to run you down and give you a ticket right there in front of Dean Road Elementary. I'm telling you, I like what he said about Jalen Simpson. The Marcus Harris comments where he's going to have to play bigger than he can. Dude, you put him in a defense like the Baltimore Ravens, Mm -hmm. they're going to find a spot for him. Yeah. And at critical times. Like, he doesn't have to be the big guy inside Mm -hmm. like he had to be at Auburn because that's all we had. Yeah. You, you put him on a multi-talented defense, that guy's going to make plays. And a lot of the stuff they're doing right now is one-on-one drills. Wait till it's a little different. He's got playing with somebody like an Indomitian Sioux that's going to eat up blocks so he can take over. So uh, it, not that that's where he's going draft-wise, but sure. just keep that in mind. Yep, I'm telling you, uh, he, he's a player, and uh, DJ James down there as well. Good to hear from Zach. Give us a call at 334-321-1390 here at On The Line, ESPN 106.7. On the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to On the Line. Uncle T-Bone and Ben Taylor with you here at the bottom of the hour. Give us a ring at 334-321-1390 to the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Talking a lot of football earlier, DJ Durkin hire live update. Not in Mobile, but exiting Mobile from the Senior Bowl. Zach Blackerby, that was fun. You can check him out at Locked oh, no, they're on staying. Auburn. He won't, he won't be back for – Oh, they're just riding around. They're just bumping around. Yeah, he's got somewhere else he's got to be right now, and then they're going to stay, I think, through practice tomorrow. Oh, how about back. that? Yeah, All yeah, right. They're, they're spending a few days down there. Oh, man. Well, you can check him out over at Twitter at, uh, at Z Blackerby. All kinds of good stuff going on there. Want to kind of pivot back into Mm -hmm. uh, a little NCAA basketball, specifically the game tonight, Auburn hosting Vanderbilt. Checking out this line over at www.scoresandodds.com, Ben. Mm -hmm. Tigers right now currently giving Vanderbilt 18.5 points over under 162.5. Oh, it was 162. I thought you said it was 142. Well, is that right? 162. 162. So I'm slapping the under on the on the on the uh, on the total. Um, I'm assuming they're saying 18 and a half because Auburn won by 17 at Vandy. I misspoke. It is 142. Oh, so it is 142. That's correct. Uh, you know that could very well. Be the case. I may hit the over on that because I would. It wouldn't surprise me if Auburn puts up ninety to to hundred tonight. Man, you just feel like if that game is under that number, it's going to be another ugly basketball game. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but we shoot weird, better at home. We better shoot better at home, right? I mean, that's what Tiger fans are saying. Now I don't want to come across as Mister Negative Nancy here. We had enough of that, and Bruce Pearl's had enough of it. Some of his comments this week early on have basically said, "Enough's enough. We've heard what you've mm-hmm. had to say. Thank you for the passion, Auburn fans. Yeah. We're good. It's going to be okay." 
calm down. 142.5 points at home for an Auburn over-under, to me, just doesn't seem like a lot of points. No, it doesn't. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they think Vandy's not going to score. I will say that uh, Vandy made a little bit of a run there at the end when they were in Nashville, and they got the capability to do that. And Auburn made some stupid fouls. They got a lot of points there at the end of the ball game with I call them dead whistles. I mean, they were just you know when when there's when the, when that clock stopped and they get to shoot from the free throw line. That's at, when you're trying to close out a game. That's the worst thing that can happen. And it was just and, and Auburn was not getting the call on the other end of the floor. And so I think that one kid that comes off the bench, I've forgotten his name. I think it's Flores, maybe. Yeah, that's it. And, and he. He had that was fun. Somebody said he's got nine points. I said, Well, seven of them have been from the free throw line at the end of the game with three minutes remaining. So that's why they went on a 7 0 run because Auburn quit, quit fouling them at the end of the ball game. Uh, and so uh, that's keep him off the line. Also, this shows you why people are not very happy with Jerry Stackhouse and, and Vanderbilt or in Nashville, Tennessee. Is that kid should be starting. And I got a buddy that he's a he's a Vandy grad. He's not happy. He lives in Nashville. They have season tickets. He and his boys go to as many games as they possibly can. He's got he's got I think one's a teenager and one's just under. And so they love it. And he said it's just been miserable. And uh, and so I think that there's going to be a change at the end of the year, especially if they continue to be over, which. Clearly, Vegas says that they will be after this evening. Uh, they're zero and six right now. So if they go zero and seven, and then if they go over in the league, that's going to that could be the game that decides who's going to be coaching when Vandy and Missouri finally square off. Because both of them are over right now. You said at Vanderbilt, zero and six in league play, five and fourteen overall, a six game losing streak. Is yeah. that right? Who who'd they beat to get to to? I mean, before this losing streak well, see, started, that's the thing is you're getting to the point now where yeah, where's the morale the in the locker room? Right. Has probably got to be just trash. I mean, they can't be yeah. excited to be there. I mean, it, it's almost like this is a type game that, and I know this is ridiculous almost to a point, but if they don't show up tonight, they're not going to win another game. No, and, they, and the, I mean they do get Missouri next week at home. Missouri, I believe, is a little bit better team. I think Vanderbilt has better guard play. And then check this out: they got to host Kentucky, go to South Carolina, host A and M, go to Tennessee, host Georgia, go to Florida, and then finally they get Arkansas. And who knows what Arkansas is going to be by then? We're not going to get into that rumor mongering, but they don't look very good right now. I mean, that is a ridiculously hard run. Vanderbilt's going to have to shock somebody. Better not be Auburn tonight. That will be that Missouri, I mean, that uh, Kentucky game at Vanderbilt. I guarantee you, I don't know what Vanderbilt Stadium seats, three-fourths of it will be Kentucky. Oh, it'll be big blue time. So back to the Auburn game, though. You know, you obviously saw the games last Mm -hmm. week, right? Very Mm -hmm. disappointing. Uh, A lot of mistakes. Poor shooting. What else does Auburn need to improve on to, you know, kind of get right tonight, really have a good showing and make sure the home team and the home crowd is behind them moving forward? Rebounding. You can have poor shooting and good rebounding and walk away with a win. You can't have poor shooting and poor rebounding and expect to do anything. Uh, Dude, that is one of the smartest things I've heard in a long time. If you had told me that Mississippi State would have shot 50% from the free throw line in the game against Auburn, I would have said Auburn killed them. Mm. They were 15 rebounds better than Auburn, though. Mm. 
Big difference right there. You're exactly right. And and I said this, one of the most frustrating of all was at the end of the ball, towards the end of the ball, he was in the second half. Uh, it, guys shooting free throws, I forgot who it was for the line for Mississippi State. Fundamental basketball, and I know this sounds so elementary, nobody boxed out the shooter. Ball falls to the floor after a miss on a free throw. Nobody gets a hand on it. Shooter corrals his own rebound, puts it back up, ends up being a three-point play, but in all the wrong reasons because he hit his first free throw, and then he gets a layup to complete a three-point play off of a rebound that T-Bone hit the floor. With all those blue jerseys or orange jerseys around it. Hey, it didn't just hit the floor. The ball kind of hit the floor dead. Yes. Like it hit a dead spot and just kind of laid there for a hot second. Almost like the Auburn players didn't know what was happening and couldn't believe it that it had happened like that. And then they turned into the Spider-Man meme where they're just all kind of pointing at one another. And meanwhile, the Mississippi State guy just kind of meanders over there and sneaks up and gets the ball and puts it back Mm -hmm. in. I kind of had a bad feeling the game was not going to go our way after that one. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this, too, and it's not just – I will say on top of rebounding another thing that I'd like to see, and I said this on the the show uh, on Monday, Double D Monday. He's a big basketball guy. Uh, I love talking to Daryl about basketball. Big Arizona basketball fan. He is. I mean, he grew up out there, and then, of course, when he got older, they moved to to Pittsburgh, so he became like a Pitt fan, but he still was following West Coast stuff and and Arizona. Uh, But he – and I made this point to him, and he said, you know, I hadn't thought about that. I need to see our guards doing a little bit more movement. This whole allowing our one to sit at the top of the key and go back and forth and kind of throw it to them with guys kind of perching up in the corner. Denver Jones, I'm talking to you. That does not fly in SEC play. It's easy for a guy to guard you and hang out down low and guard, you know, a five or a four when you're just kind of perched out there hoping somebody's going to give you a kick at some point. And you've got to – I call it the Steph Curry effect. Have you ever watched him just play a game, watched him without the ball, how much he moves and runs all over the floor? Everybody goes, he always gets these looks. If you ever – Because he's working for them. If you watch a Golden State game, you know why he gets those looks? He doesn't stop from the time he – from the opening whistle until they pull him out and sit him on the bench and make him stop. And I'm not saying that that's what you've got to do because this is the collegiate level that's in the NBA – but at some point, these guards have got to work to get open instead of waiting on that kick to come to them when the penetration just hasn't been there. Uh, some of those kickout passes have been uh, very fundamentally unsound mm-hmm. as well. A little bit too much turning around towards the basket and just hoping that someone's going to be open. And when they're not moving around and standing there, they're not. Right. Yeah, it's, it's get back to the simple things, which is defense, which Auburn – Prove they can do. They did it the other night because uh, against Alabama when they were down and jumped out and grab you know grabbed fourteen points. They were down fourteen. What coming out of the half and, and you know brought it back to within two or three at one point in time. And that was because they started playing defense. Do that and the simple thing of like we just said. I mean rebound the basketball and you know if you do all that that the the looks are going to come. You know I, I get what Bruce said. I found it very interesting when he said it after the game that. Not everybody needs to keep shooting threes. That's a that's a 180 from the way he used to feel because he'd say when people had say before, you know, Bryce Brown he's he's been kind of cold. I don't care, keep shooting it. Right. Um, you know, shoot your shoot yourself out of a slump. Exactly. Exactly. Shoot. You know, let us worry about the rebounds. But I get what he's saying. When you're not rebounding, you got to quit shooting, man. You know, it was is a staggering statistic, and I've said this over and over this week, uh, and, and and talking over on on the news talk station about it. The fact that Janiah Broom had zero points in the first half 
when he clearly was the best player on the floor against Mississippi State, that can't happen. He's You cannot go into halftime with him having zero points. He doesn't have to have 20 a half, but you got to get him involved. Six to ten points going into half because it's going to open up more for him in the second half after adjustments are made. He's got to be more involved. Now, he can do that for himself, too, with the rebounding part Absolutely. that I talked about. And it didn't hurt or didn't help him that – Dylan came in and got three fouls I was within just about, about to say 90 that. seconds. Yeah, psychologically, you got to wonder for him as an individual, him in the back of his mind thinking, you know, maybe I should be a little bit more conservative here in this first half because mm-hmm. my man, my backup, my sixth man, you know, this guy's already got three quick ones and they're going to try and get me in foul trouble too and they're going to be in a world of hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, my thoughts on that too, though, are at some point – I, I, I got to see a little bit different rotations. Yeah. Okay. You know, these, these coaches in the SEC, they're no dummies. Mm-hmm. And they're going to start picking up on these rotations, and they're going to plan ahead on what they're going to do when these people start subbing in and out. You know, I would like to see some more – I don't know if you want to call it formational differences, mm-hmm. but at some point in a game, you've got to get Dylan Cardwell and Jani Broom on the court at the same time and battle down low and get physical. And that Mississippi State game, to me, was a perfect example of that because they were just killing us on the rebounds. Mm-hmm. And then also at some point you need to mix it up and get just some shooters on the court and run up and down and play old Providence uh, Billy Donovan ball mm-hmm. and Rick Patino ball and fire it up. You know, you got to give these guys different looks if you keep going with the same rotations over and over and over again. It'll work against teams that haven't seen you before, right? But these teams in the SEC, we're going to start seeing some of these teams a second time. They're really going to be up in your playbook. Yeah, and, and they've, they've put enough out on film now where these coaches, like you said, are no dummies. They've got it figured out. They're going to know as far as what is what what to expect when you come in. I mean, listen, I love him to death, Katie Johnson, but once he starts dribbling and going between the legs, out the that ball's going up. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean when he's when he's basically squares up with the guy, and the the ball's been passed around the horn a few times, and it touches his hands after with about twelve seconds or so on the shot clock, and he starts dribbling, that ball's going up, and so either and, and the thing is the team's got to recognize that too. That's when that's, that's when they got to move towards him and, exactly. get a, and get open and get a pass, and let's get the play the play going and the flow going and the formation going. I will say this before we get to a break. I do think the road trip had some tired legs on us at Mississippi State. I do. At Alabama, Auburn had the capability of coming back. They weren't worn out, Mm -hmm. okay? Mississippi State, you could tell the Tigers were were tired. Even in the first half, despite Bruce's comments about some of the people stopped shooting, they got pretty good looks, Mm -hmm. and they were just ramming them out. I'm not going to call them bricks, Mm -hmm. but they definitely weren't going down. That starts with the legs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a tired basketball team. So hopefully they got home, they got ready and they're going to be ready to go tonight in Neville Arena against Vanderbilt. Give us a call at 334-321-1390. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Welcome back to On the Line. I am Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett here with Ben Taylor from the Dad Bod Golf Pod and WA&I News Talk 1400. Filling in for Jacob Goins, who's cheering on and letting everybody know over there on Tiger Country 104.5 what's happening with Lee Scott basketball. Ben, we got a 
lot of other basketball around mm-hmm. the league. There were some games last night. Let's get to those real quick. Really interesting game, I thought, in uh, in Butwell. I mean, Tennessee, obviously. I wanted to go in with uh, Mississippi State at Ole Miss first since Auburn's heading to uh, Oxford on Saturday, like you mentioned earlier. Ole Miss just kind of keeps hanging around in the mm-hmm. SEC standings, uh, really keep bumping themselves all close to the bubble and then kind of getting off the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great basketball game last night. I don't know if you watched much of it. That's going to be both of them. Yeah. Okay, you watched both of them. That's going to be a very, very tough task for Auburn going into Oxford Saturday. They're, they're going to they're going to have a little bit of a memory bank on what happened here at Neville a couple Saturdays ago. If they shoot against Auburn like they shot against Mississippi State, Mississippi State's a good defensive ball team. Uh, and if they shoot against Auburn like they did against Mississippi State, Auburn's going to be in trouble. Uh, it'll, it, they, Auburn will have to hit shots, and they will have to hit deep shots. Uh, otherwise, that, now, the good news is, is Auburn's defense has held everybody pretty much under what their average is. So Auburn does have that going for them defensively. So I don't know that Ole Miss will put up 86, but the fact that they put up 86 against Mississippi State and Mississippi State being a good defensive ball club is what they are. And I wouldn't say that – I'm not saying that just because of what they look like against Auburn. Keep in mind, Mississippi State beat Tennessee too. Oh, yeah. So – and Tennessee's got a pretty good offensive ball club. Now, they – Lost last night as well, which lost at home, which is just a shocker to me. Uh, but, you know, it, it's tough to play on the road. It doesn't matter if it's the Southeastern Conference. It doesn't matter if it's the the Big Ten. It, the, you know, it's, it's tough to play on the road. You see all these teams, those top ten teams, that statistic that came out going into last week, those top ten teams – all had two losses, all their lo- minimum two losses. All their losses were on the road. And so that just lets you know that it, it is tough to get out and play against somebody in their environment. And that could be anywhere from they're just not used to the facility. I said before, that's why it's always been hard to play at Vandy, the Vandy's facility with the, uh, like you mentioned, the elevated floor and the cheerleaders are even with you, but the fans are below yeah. you and your I mean, coaches some, are on the end zone. and Some coliseums can't even work their lights properly. Right. You know, not saying anything, Alabama. And, uh, you know, I'm with you. It's going to be a rabid crowd mm-hmm. Saturday in Oxford. Probably, what's the over-under on Lane Kiffin tweets about that game? Oh, golly. Well, he's going to be courtside. I yeah, it's, yeah, he's good. he will be there. There's no doubt he'll be courtside, and so uh, he'll he'll tweet. He'll give us a couple of tweets either Friday or the morning of, and then he won't do anything during the game. And lo and behold, if they win the ball game, you won't hear the end yeah. of it uh, on Saturday night after the game's over with. So, uh, so we shall see. So I'd say if you're going over under, I'd go. I'd set the line at. Let's just say five and a half. I think that's very between, fair. Between Friday and Saturday, between Friday afternoon to Saturday <laughs> evening, my, my line is five and a half. Probably four of them will have nothing to do with basketball either. Uh, you mentioned Tennessee at home last night. This is recently number five in the AP Tennessee going down at home. At, what is that? Thompson Bowling Arena up there in Knoxville. South Carolina comes to town. A very surprising South Carolina Gamecock team this season. Takes care of business 63-59. to Ben, I watched that game. It never even felt that close. No. Tennessee cut it a couple of times to, to, uh, to single digits, but there were a few times where there was a 12- and a 15-point lead uh, with South Carolina, and uh, they got hot as well. This is a team – 
And their coach made the plea afterwards, and I was glad he did. I love when coaches do this. People call it they, – they said Tommy Tuberville, they, they didn't like the fact that he did this uh, back when he was coaching football. And now you see more coaches doing it. Their, their head coach, after the game, he said, I have no idea why we're not ranked. I agree with him. Look, I've watched them a couple of times. They've only this got is, three losses. This is a Gamecock team that's 18-3 and three overall, 6-2 and two in the conference. That's good enough for second place in the <laughs> SEC right now. And they're not even ranked. That is an athletic, long team that gets after you mm-hmm. defensively. And I tell you what, Ben, when they get hot, they are really hard to beat. Yeah, they they completely shut down the you know the 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 superstars, uh, you know for Tennessee and and Tennessee just I, it was one of those at the okay first off they started out seven zero run to begin things to to open up the game and I thought uh oh Tennessee's mm-hmm. getting shell shocked here but then all of a sudden it was nine to seven Tennessee and I thought ah honeymoon's over so I'm piddling around in the kitchen doing dinner and all that kind of stuff right. and I come back in there and then it's like a 15 point South Carolina lead and I'm going hold on a second what's, what's happening here what's going on here we got something special because <laughs> it's in Knoxville and and it, you know at one point in time them and Rupp used to go back and forth between who was the largest facility in the country I mean they used to bring sitting chairs over there down the floor so they could claim they had one seat more than what Rupp Arena did that's all awesome. so then Rupp would bring two sitting chairs on the outside and let people sit in the you know in the corridors over in the corner where they couldn't see anything just to claim they had more seats so uh, it, it, I that loss last night shocked me I don't know why it did because South Carolina does have a good program right especially like you said at 18 and three and six and two in the conference but that Tennessee you better win at home folks because when you, you go on the road it's hard you know that, speaking of tired legs I don't know what it is and we're going to get to uh, the top of the break hour real quickly Tennessee just looked exhausted last night I don't, I don't their coach looked tired they looked tired give us a call we're going to take a break 334-321-1390 here at on the line 106.7 On the line, live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. That's right. Give us a call at 334-321-1390. Here at On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I am not Jacob Goins. You can clearly tell that by my voice. <laughs> I am Uncle T-Bone, and that man laughing in the background, cackling yes. as I speak, his brother Ben Taylor from WA&I News Talk 1400. Jacob is out on the road. He's taking the cheese wagon over to Montgomery, I believe, mm-hmm. to call on the uh, Lee Scott Warriors in their playoff basketball run over on Tiger Country 104.5. Don't worry. He will be back, folks. He will be back tomorrow. We're already getting text. Where's Jacob? What's yeah. going on? Is he okay? He's fine. He's just got a lot to do, and he's doing his job, Ben. We had to let him go. That's not uh, yeah. that well. You know what? Uh, there may be a story. But no, I'm just joking. He is. Uh, he's doing. He's got a doubleheader today. He's got the girls right now. They're uh, in the process of that game on Tiger Country, and then he's got the boys uh, here. Uh, probably in about thirty to forty-five minutes. I mean, it'll, it'll. They're on the same floor, so it'll start as soon as the girls get. I mean, over. other than you, the hardest worker up here. Fact. Yeah, I believe no we have a phone call. Terry. Yes. Terry. What is up, my man? 
Guys, how's it going today? Good, man. Sunshine and blue skies. No, no rain. Good to talk to you. You're doing a great job. Thank you, brother. Uh, I want to ask you guys a question. You were talking to Auburn basketball. I want to ask you guys a question. Has the blueprint been drawn up to beat Auburn? Because they don't play the NCAA tournament in Lee County, guys. No, I don't think the blueprint's been drawn. And the reason I say that is because if you watch these teams, they're pretty much the same Bruce Pearl team that you get. I think that Auburn's issue is more along the lines of some of the fundamental stuff that they should be doing, like we talked about earlier. Them not rebounding. Uh, defense got a little lax. And uh, they're just not doing the little things that is supposed to be what makes a Bruce Pearl team. Transition stuff, long rebounds, they're not going after the other day. Uh, the, as far as the offense is concerned, I do. I mentioned this a while ago, I'd like to see the guards move a little bit more. And, it, you know, it, you can't – blueprint for giving Janiah Broom the ball under the basket, it, he, didn't, he didn't have a shot in the first half last game. That just yeah, can't happen. To me, that just seems almost like a little bit easier to – I'm not going to say stop. But control. Okay, yeah. they're just going to throw it into Janai every time in the into the middle or, or underneath the basket. Eventually, coaches are really going to just mm-hmm. kind of knock that back. Somebody's got to step up and move around, find some open open looks, and knock back some shots. Terry, the one thing that concerns me, guys, is Aiden Holloway starting to turn into Wendell Green and heave up twenty nine and thirty footers. When he crosses midcourt, and I don't like that. Well, I, like I, think, I think that was brought up with Bruce. At, I don't know that he he didn't call him out specifically. But when he talked about in the comments at, at post game of Mississippi State how guys are taking ill advised threes, I think he was speaking directly to Aiden Holloway uh, when he said mm. that, and and um, and that's something he hasn't done. Uh, T Bone and I talked about that. Bruce has always been the type of guy that T Bone, you said it best: shoot yourself out of a slump. Mm-hmm. And he clearly said he does not want that happening with this team. So uh, I think that that was a, a message sent directly to. The young freshman, uh, and maybe even Denver Jones too. Denver passed up an open three at one point in time to go on and take it two contested ones back to back a little bit later on. And so I think just the decision making just is not there, Terry. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree with you totally, Ben. Because I just don't, I don't like that. It, it, it Auburn's not a really good rebounding team, and that really puts you in a hole because you don't run any clock and you, you send the other team back down the floor. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I'm the, and that's why I think Alabama's because they live and live and die by the three. And then when you get the tournament, everybody can shoot the three. Let's be honest. Yeah. And you have a cold night, you're done. Well, guard play, three pointers, defense. If all that's clicking, you're going to have a long, long run in the NCAA tournament. That's the 2019 Auburn Tigers. Thank you so much for the call, sure. Terry. You sure. can get in, too, at 334-321-1390. I think folks need to remember that Aiden Holloway is uh, a freshman. Yeah. There are a tremendous amount of expectations with him coming in. Okay, yeah. That comes with the territory. You know, if you're going to be the starter at Auburn as a freshman, as a point guard, you're going to have to make things happen. A few comments from Bruce Pearl today about Aiden. Quote, he's not shot the ball like he shot it his whole career. But guys are a little bigger, stronger, faster, getting to him, scouting him better. That includes coaches, too. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But he has to make the open ones, and he's getting some open ones. And when when he does – it makes us a lot better. I mean, look, Bruce, you're the man, mm-hmm. and I love Coach Pearl, and he has saved Auburn basketballs. You know what, proverbial, you know what, uh, no doubt. And it is exciting, and it's fun, 
but yeah, Auburn's a lot better when people are making the open ones. Yeah. And there is a problem. There is a problem the last two, three years with this team not making shots on the road, especially when it's not a neutral site game. It's just really mind-boggling to me. There are a couple of things that I, I, when it comes to the shoot. Number one with Aiden, one thing that I'd like to see him do more is put the ball on the floor and go around guys. He has a tendency to be able to avoid uh, blocks at the rim when he gets down there. That will loosen those guys up a little bit, which will give him a more wide-open shot. Number two, I mentioned a while ago the guard play of moving around and getting Denver Jones open a little bit more. First and foremost, the first thing that sticks out in my mind is Denver Jones's video that leaked to everybody on Twitter where he hit 21 straight shots inside of 60 seconds, all from the top of the key. T-Bone, he ain't shooting from the top of the key in the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a big problem. Uh, Let's move an offense around where we get him to the top at some point. You know, you mentioned this earlier. It just seems like Auburn's really getting pigeonholed, especially with Aiden Holloway by defensive coaches lately like – like uh, Nate Oates and like the coach at Mississippi, they're pushing him over there to the right. Mm-hmm. They're pushing him out, jumping out and jumping back in, and he's not following back in. Like you said, when he goes around somebody, even if it's not a three-pointer and gets to about 18 feet, he's knocking those shots back mm-hmm. and they're wide open. Dude, if you got to take a two-pointer, Take the two-pointer. Yeah. Just don't wait for the three. I am kind of getting tired, too, of Auburn spreading out it seems like, yep. and then all its players just standing there, and it's like you're going to have to beat this guy one-on-one or kick out. They need to kind of get more in a flow because I'm seeing too many of our guards especially coming across half court and then almost getting trapped right there in that corner. Mm-hmm. And that's just killing – that's just – I don't want to say drives, but that's just killing drives of the basketball. Yeah. You know, Auburn needs to get into what it does best, moving around, being athletic on offense, crashing the boards, but crashing them on defense and getting in transition. Because Bruce Pearl teams that get in transition and knock back shots, you better watch out. And I will say this, as uh, we've kind of been leading on Aiden a little bit, Trey didn't have a good couple of games the last couple of games either. So it, it's it's gone both ways. Now, the turnovers hadn't been there, right? but – you know, it's it's like a, a guy that I talked to that used to coach uh, basketball, you know, years ago, and he said, you know, but some things that don't show up in the turnover stats is some of the shots that uh, that Aiden have taken and that Trey Donaldson have taken that lead to those long rebounds. That's just as good as a turnover because you're, you, you the the ball's kicking back out and guys are able to grab it and run and, and catch it in transition. Doesn't go down in the box as a turnover, but from a coaching staff, they look at that like a turnover because it was a poor shot. You didn't go after your own rebound. You let them. You end up being a two-on-one or a three-on-one on, one on right. the other end. That's just as good as a turnover, and it's a turnover that's a transitional bucket as well. Tigers taking on Vanderbilt tonight at 8 o'clock in Neville Arena. We talked about it earlier. Auburn giving up 18.5, 142.5, the over-under. We both like the over there. I think that I'm not sure about that uh, – I'm not sure about that actual line of the game. I think I'll just uh, walk away from that one around the league. A good night of basketball. I want to get your thoughts, Ben. 5.30. Boy, all of our best friends are just going to get together over <laughs> in Athens, right, on the SEC Network to kick yeah. off league play tonight. Number 24, Alabama, will take on Georgia. Tied on the road, giving six and a half points. Over under of 166.5. That is a much improved Georgia basketball program, Ben. It is. I think the Tide's kind of coming into their – 
way right now, though, and, and they, they have played some really good basketball as of late. And as I've said before, if there's a couple of guys that you can get going as far as Alabama is concerned, and that's you know that's that transfer Nelson that came in, mm-hmm. uh, he finally is starting to play like they wanted him to play. I think when he was getting bodied at the first of the year, playing the SEC is a little different than playing at North Dakota State. And so I think he had to kind of get used to it. It seems like he has. He had a big pick, put back against Auburn uh, where he was crashing. Hey, he was crashing the boards unlike Auburn during that during that run. So well, after that Tennessee game, Nate Oates basically called out his entire team in the press with no mercy. And he wasn't the only Alabama person doing that. If you listen to the local shows, including our good friend Doug Amos, who's mm. a part of the 106.7 family over there in Montgomery, mm-hmm. from 11 to uh, 2 every day, callers were really, really unhappy with the <laughs> way that Alabama was playing not a physical brand of basketball whatsoever. And whatever that they said to uh, Grant Nelson and the rest of that team, minus Mark Sears, has worked. Alabama seems to be clicking right now. That Georgia team, I asked you uh, in the break earlier if you saw them play at Florida this past Saturday. It was earlier in the day mm-hmm. to kick off SEC play. One of the better games I've seen all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia has some playmakers. My man, Blue Kane, if you watch this game tonight, keep an eye on him. I call him the white shadow, Ben. I mean, he comes out of nowhere. He can barely jump. Okay, he's got this beautiful blonde lettuce that he just kind of puts oh, back I know there. Exactly what you're the nature about. boy of basketball yeah. himself. And he's just back there knocking back threes yeah. like there's no tomorrow and keeping Georgia in that game, along with Melendez, who had probably one of the best games of his career against the Gators. They fell short in that game. Georgia's a good team. This line stinks to me. I think they're begging you to take Georgia. I kind of like Georgia, uh, Alabama minus the six and a half that they are hitting their stride right now. I like Alabama at the six and a half, but I do like like the under on this. Didn't you say it was like 166 or something? Yep, 166 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take the under on that and uh and but I do I I do take Bama as far as uh as far as that six and a half is concerned. Moving away from this game, Florida at seven o'clock on ESPN, the mothership traveling up to the bluegrass state in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, taking on number 10, the Kentucky Wildcats, who just continue to baffle me all year, mm-hmm. Ben. I mean, I truly on paper, I look at them, I watch them play. They got Calipari who's great. They got more talent than than God, it seems like. And just several games this year, they never play up their, to their potential. No, they don't. And that's what, I said this to, to somebody, they were asking me about it, and I said that's trap game. Because uh, Florida could go on the road and possibly beat them. We talk about having road woes, everybody, but it wouldn't shock me at all if Florida goes up there four and three in the conference, fourteen and six overall, and put together a good game plan uh, just to go ahead and shut Kentucky up. So it, it, it Florida, Gators play a little physical brand of ball. Well, and they're one of those teams. Florida's one of those teams where we don't know who they are yet. You know, they, they were really bad, I thought, to start the year, but yes. they seem to get better and better as the year goes on. They'll be catching five and a half tonight over under one seventy. Ooh. It's almost like they're begging you to take Kentucky here. I kind of like – I'm kind of picking up what you've been laying down. (laughs) But that's a hard look right there at home. That's a different Kentucky team normally at home. But I'm with you. Florida's a good team. And, look, they got past Georgia last week, kind of distanced themselves from Georgia on the bubble. If they go up to Kentucky and take care of business tonight, Mm. they're cruising towards a tournament bid. Oh, I think so. And I think – Mm, five and a half. It's really tough. I, I probably, as much as I say trap game, I still think Kentucky pulls away. It's hard to pick against them here. Uh, and I, 
But I don't know, T-Bone, if they pull away by more than five and a half, it wouldn't shock me if they have to hit free throws at the end of the ball game to win by three or four uh, just because Florida stays in it. I do like the under in this when they start talking about 170 points just because yeah. both of these teams could turn into uh, Brick City because they, they love to take transitional threes instead of, right. instead of doing what they're supposed to do. So uh, I'm kind of curious. If, they, if Kentucky comes out hot, it, that 170 is well within reach just because they could put up 100 points. But if they come out and they just can't, they can't hit baskets and Florida can't hit this could turn into one of those ugly games that Kentucky has to pull away late and Florida's got to foul them late in order to try to, to try to grab a win on the road. Yeah, and that's that like last minute turns into a 20-minute Oh, there's ordeal. no doubt. It dry, yes. it's, it's cool that basketball, especially in college, is like that, but sometimes it can be maddening when you know the end is, going, is inevitable. Um, I'm going to tell you real quick before we move to Arkansas and Missouri, if Kentucky loses tonight, uh, John Calipari's slick head might come off his body. I'm going to tell you, he may lose it. You may tell you the because I think he's on the verge of having a blow up. He, this team is frustrating him. It is. It is frustrating him. I tell you what's also being frustrated. I mean, the fact that when they lose three to four games in the Southeastern Conference, people put moving signs out by his, his house. Yeah. I mean, Kentucky's just got – everybody always talks about how delusional Auburn fans can be or Alabama fans when it comes to football. Go visit with a Kentucky Wildcat basketball fan and find out that every year they're supposed to win the national title, supposed to be in the Final Four, and go undefeated in the Southeastern Conference, win the SEC during the middle of the season, as well as win the SEC tournament outright. That is just yeah. that's the expectations every year, and as soon as they get three or four losses on them, then all of a sudden it seems to be a big issue. Wildcats are fifteen and four on the season, so you're right; they are close to having a meltdown with a couple more losses. Five and two in league play, sitting at number four in the league. That's not going to go over well with their fans. Maybe the ugliest uh, game of the year in the SEC at seven thirty. I can't believe it's not on SEC Plus, SEC Network. Uh, thank goodness this game won't be before Auburn. Auburn on ESPN two. Arkansas at Missouri. Mizzou giving up five points. The over under on this game is one hundred and forty five point five. Will Arkansas have enough players to play this game, Ben? Uh, they will have enough. <laughs> they will have enough. And I've been told I, I got Jack Hudden on the line. We're gonna we're gonna grab you in a minute, Jack. Let's talk about this game with Jack because we got to take a break because we're already running yep. a little bit behind. And because uh, we got to ranting and raving about how Kentucky fans are gonna have their meltdown, you know, somebody like Jack Hudden would do. And we'll see if he does that here coming up shortly. <laughs> you are on the line. On ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back to On the Line. We've got phone calls awaiting. Jack, what's up, my man? Jack Hudden, everybody. What's going on, fellas? Not the usual voice here from two to four. What you, are you saying I don't sound like Jacob answering the phone? No, no, no. Well, I'm saying I'm, I'm even saying you might be a better voice. Oh, okay. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> Come <here>. on now. <laughs> You'll get us in trouble. He may be in between games listening right now. You can get us all in trouble. <laughs> yeah, what's on your mind, buddy? Man, I was just calling in to talk. I uh, heard you guys uh, would wanted to hear a little bit about the, the HUD rankings that came out yesterday. I was uh, given a tip that old JG wanted me to, to call in and kind of walk you guys through that. So I uh, wanted to, to give you those, but also kind of react to what's going on in college basketball and uh, 
and a big one tonight for the Auburn Tigers that come back home trying to right the ship. All right, let's start with the HUD rankings, Jack, because your matrix is unlike any other out there. I mean, this is blowing the Jerry Palms of the world away for me. And you're doing this all on a system that you came up with yourself, correct? That's correct. Okay, where yeah, can people so this, find this? Is it? Do you have a website up and running now? So I don't have a website running yet. I've actually um, been doing, been working on doing that, but um, I do post uh, results and stuff. I just I, I go straight from the old Excel document um, onto Twitter, and so I'm at at Jack Hutton twelve on Twitter, um, and that's where you can find all that that stuff that I do. That's just kind of a a fun little side project I got going on. Um, but essentially, these rankings are something that I developed um, a couple of years back, and it was right out of school when uh, I had I had just gotten into more sports analytics stuff and started really diving into uh, what makes a college basketball and a college baseball program really good. Um, and uh, I found some interesting trends that I think are, are really cool to look at from a sense of, you know, if you take the net rankings, if you take the Ken Palm rankings, the Torvik, I mean, everything that uh, you could possibly see as something that, is taken into account by the committee. Uh, this ma- this matrix has taken that into account. Uh, you know, I've got a little formula that I've created over the years that um, I'm trying to dial in here. And um, I, I come up with some really interesting numbers here. Um, you know, for instance, I, I was talking yesterday to Jacob, and, and I know that, Unc, you're not going to be a big fan of this, but I'll tell you, the analytics, they continue to like this Alabama team. They've got them up um, at the, in the rankings you know, anywhere from six to seven to eight in the country in a lot of them, and, and they fall about seven um, in the in the HUD rankings. Uh, Auburn's down at nine, and so that right. would make sense from Alabama getting a win um, against them over a few days ago. No, but, Jack, yeah, I'm with you. If you told me that about three weeks ago about Alabama, I'd have been like, okay, buddy, whatever. Nice matrix you got there. But uh, despite the overall record, I mean, Alabama's leading the SEC conference right now. Mm-hmm. They're playing about as good a basketball in league right now as anybody, them in South Carolina. So, uh, you know, it's hard to argue, although I can't stand Nate Oates, and everybody knows this, and really and truly, Ben, I hate his face. Mm-hmm. The guy's a really good coach, and Alabama's working their way up. Hey, you have them right here as a number two seed. That's right. Yeah, I get number seven in the country, uh, puts them at that two line. And, and really just if you break down the bracket, that's all it is, is it's taking, you know, your top four teams or your one seeds and then your, t- your, uh, your two seeds or your five through eight and so on and so forth. And so with Auburn being number nine in the country down there, got them on the three line right now. Uh, mm-hmm. If the season were to end today, taking on the Akron Zips out of Ohio. So that'd be a, an interesting matchup. And I think it's just a little fun tool to – to look at and kind of dream about some matchups that you would be able to see. Jack, let me ask you this: Is looking at this and, and some of the teams that you have some notables? Uh, Tennessee, did you you got it dated as yesterday? Did you do this prior to that game last night, or was this after the after the South Carolina loss? Or? Yeah, these these were prior to that, um, and so this is not uh, what I think. What I've got up right now is is not updated through last night. Okay. Um, so, yeah, next time you, you see that come out, that will reflect last night's loss that Tennessee had. Um, you know, a couple other notable games. North Carolina goes down last night. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston was in a fight with, um, oh, God, who was it last night, who, who I, I think took them down to the wire. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on who that was. But a couple of teams on here went down. And so 
uh, yeah, not updated through last night, but uh, but but updated through yesterday about uh, about noon. The other questionable one that I had, and uh, it's kind of shocking to me, is you got uh, Kentucky in there at twenty five. Yeah, so another interesting one that I think uh, the the analytics um, are saying a, are telling a different story as to what the rest of the country sees. Uh, this Kentucky team, you know, they're very good on offense. On the defensive end, though, that defensive efficiency has not been very good for the Cats, and you know I think that that's something that is going to continue to plague them the rest of the year if they can't outscore their opponents. You know, Georgia, I know, um, is a team that can really shoot it, but they came into Rupp Arena and put up 96 points on Kentucky in regulation. Mm. Now, Kentucky got a huge game out of a seven-footer that uh, went for 105 points overall, and um so I think that there's a couple of lapses on this Kentucky team that could bite them down the stretch. Uh, but again, they're obviously a very good team. It's just you got to take into account some of these, you know, who you play against and how much numbers you put up against those teams that you play. We're talking to Jack Hudden at Jack Hudden 12 over on Twitter. He has his HUD rankings. First question, Jack. Uh, will these rankings be coming out every Tuesday? Is it, is it going to float around during the week, or can listeners just tune in to your Twitter page and roughly about what time uh, in day each week? Yeah, so usually um, it, it tends to be a floater uh, when I get it out, and um, sometimes I'll do it at lunch or sometimes I'll do it in the morning before, uh, before I head into the, the day job. Um, so I- anytime I'll just kind of – I'll kind of surprise, but I tried to get on a, a, a better schedule and uh, maybe get it out every Tuesday and Friday or uh, or Monday and Thursday. So just, uh, I don't know. Uh, follow me on Twitter at JackHudden12 and uh, see when I come out with yeah. it. And uh, I'm just uh, I'm just enjoying putting that out every so I often. I got, uh, Jack, I got to ask you this. So, I mean, I love this kind of stuff, Ben. Yeah. I mean, this oh, yeah. is fantastic. Give me a team, jumping Jack Hudden, that no one's talking about from about 6 to 10 in your HUD rankings that's going to do some damage in the NCAA tournament? I'll tell you what, if you look down at the uh, at, at the grayed-out games down there, um, those are the games that are going to be your, your first four games, right? So those are going to be those games in Dayton, Ohio, where um, you're going to get a couple of odd matchups with non-conference opponents, and, and they're going to be playing for those 11-12 seed lines. I'm telling you, if you haven't been able to watch Wake Forest this year, that's a team that I really like that I think uh, could could match up against a lot of teams. Their defense efficiency is very high, um, and they've got a few guards that can score the ball. So I'd go with Wake Forest if you're looking at a team like that. I love it. Thank you so much for giving us a call, Jack. We are going to take a break right here at the bottom of the hour. 106.7 ESPN Radio, you are on the line. Are on the line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to On the Line. Give us a call at 334-321-1390. I am Uncle T-Bone here with Ben Taylor from WANI filling in for Jacob Goins. Ben, there is a lot of, uh, it's even more than smoke now about the University of Tennessee and their football program from CBS Sports. A while ago, Tennessee under NCAA investigation related to potential NIL violations across multiple sports, not even football, across multiple sports. Mm -hmm. I got a quote from you that I found, 
And this is from at Adam Sparks. Apparently, he works for the Knoxville News Sentinel. Oh, okay. He's a reporter up there in Knoxville. And I quote, the NCAA hates collectives. If you have a high-profile recruit that gets celebrated, expect them to come sniffing around. Well, uh, are they just going to investigate every single school in the SEC to start with? I think not just the SEC. I mean, I think you got to look at uh, places like Lincoln Riley's place out there at USC and, uh, you know, possibly Oregon with Lanning. And so the thing is that, that, that I get, and, and those of you agree with him or disagree with him or like him or don't like him, one guy that's been following this close is Pat Forty, and he's really he's been following don't like him closely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot don't. Uh, however, this is Tennessee's hitting them head on with it, and basically calling their bluff. And uh, and even t- the headline of the story it says Tennessee's lawsuit against the NCAA opens public fights over rules of enforcement. So Tennessee is hitting right back at him, going, "What are you, you know? What are you going to do? Like, what are you looking for? Yeah, we've, bring it on. Yeah, we've you, get in the ring. You clearly have zero control anymore about what's going on as far as athletics are concerned uh, within the within within college sports. And so, you know what? Fine. They they've chimed in on social media. They've sent letters to the NCAA. They basically are not going to take this lying down. Now, with that said, that is why things like on to victory with with Auburn. What what is the one that Alabama is using? They're they're collective. The Red Elephant Club? No, that's a different one. Yay Alabama. That's it. Yay Alabama is their collective. And so um, if you don't have something like that, you are going to open yourself up because – T-Bone, I read a story this morning. There's a, there's a high school girl that has forfeited her amateur status because she was under the impression she could have an agent, and you can't. So she's no longer an amateur. She can't play high school sports. She can't be recruited to go play college anywhere. And so I think that's what the NCAA, as far as infractions are concerned, that is what they're looking at going after. They're looking at going after these people that have, quote-unquote, representatives. I think the NIL, in some form or fashion, is just about already matriculated its way down to high school sports. I mean, you see this now. It's been going on forever. Mm. These these high school powerhouses in football and in basketball, you know, recruiting players, they're not just going there for funsies. Mm-hmm. Ben, when I was in high school at Auburn High in the, in the late 80s and early 90s, Auburn High was a basketball school, yeah. man. It was a powerhouse. We had a guy who, who was from Jamaica – that played on our basketball team. He just randomly showed up in Lee County, seven-footer <laughs> who went to Georgia Neville Austin. I mean, come on, man. This kind of thing's been going on forever. Did he drive a Trans Am? I didn't really. You know, ever, <laughs> I, know, I know he slam dunked, and there I was in fifth grade. And, uh, when I saw him, he was a little bit before my time. He was right. awesome. So, um, you know, he ended up playing at the University of Georgia. Uh, but apparently, for in Tennessee's case, this start, this you know is all revolving in football around their starting quarterback, mm-hmm. and according to Dennis Dodd, this guy signs a record contract with Spyre Sports Group, Tennessee's primary collective, and a member of the Collective Association. 
It's a trade association of 30-plus collectives around the country. And TCA has advocated for revenue-sharing model for athletes. That might be why they're getting looked at right there, my friend. Mm -hmm. That would not require them to become employees. This whole revenue-sharing thing with big-time athletic players in the NCAA has that so-called nonprofit group spooked. Mm. Yeah, it does. And they're trying to kill that and nip it in the bud before it starts because every school that is in any form or fashion trying to get big-time players, including Alabama and Ryan yes. Williams, yeah, they're throwing some... money around they like are. wildfire. And you're just going to go ahead and launch into Tennessee. And let me tell you what, you're right. Tennessee, they've said not so fast, my friend. Let's get it on. They've got their state attorney general. The state of Tennessee itself is now suing the NCAA. Who's going to win that battle? Yeah, well, that, their chancellor has fired off a letter to the NCAA. They've got lawyers that represent the university that have already contacted the NCAA. So uh, this could be, this this thing could go either way. I mean, it could go one of those things where uh, the NCAA ends up coming out on top on this situation no at least way. some changes get made at least changes get made i do here's the, the what you were talking about we mentioned this off the break, off the air a while ago okay this whole signing bonus thing that you're going to get yourself in trouble because that's before a kid is stepping foot on campus now if i i guess if you want to put something in writing or put something in some sort of agreement that he he or she depending on where they are cuz we look at Angel Reese out at LSU I mean she flat out said she makes more money at LSU than she's ever going to make in the WNBA so why would she not play for a fifth year why not do a covid year she can make more money that way um, and so it, it, but that they're already in school they've got they've got policies and procedures in place to be able to take care of these athletes financially once they're there. This whole, basically they're glorifying giving the bag. You know what I mean? But instead of having the quote-unquote bag man, they're exchanging money right there in front of people's faces and saying, oh yeah, he got that signing bonus to come here. You know, I'm going to go on the record here and I say, look, the more the players can make in whether it's women's basketball in college, football, baseball, basketball, I don't care if it's cornhole, mm-hmm. if the team cornhole team or bass fishing teams getting paid good for them, the more the merrier. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact a lot of this money goes back. Now, it doesn't just go into their bank account. They just don't get a Lamborghini and flaunt it. I mean, a lot of that money goes back into, unfortunately, what some people would call the hood. And that money is desperately needed. A lot of these players come from broken homes. They come from bad neighborhoods. And there's not a lot of extra revenue floating around. And look, your life's a little bit better with some extra revenue floating around. Mm. So good for all these kids. And one thing I'm also tired of hearing is is the gnashing of teeth, Ben. Mm. The fan just constantly saying, this is just going to ruin. It's just going to ruin college football. It's got to get under control. But nobody's offering up any solutions. But I'm going to tell you what, I think there's only one solution here, and this is my solution. The big teams in football, they're going to have to break away. They're going to have to form mm-hmm. a league, a formal league with the NFL, and if those players unionize, so be it. That's, that's life. But they're going to have to come up with a structure for the top, oh, I don't know, 60 teams that have to buy in 
to have a franchise mm-hmm. in this new league and leave the rest of this alone because the rules are there are no rules. And how can you go after Tennessee if you're not going to go after Georgia, if you're not going to go after Auburn, you're not going to go after Alabama? Everybody knows what's going on. Yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty it, – it, it, it is and is not transparent. I mean, the that, transparent part comes from – it's the, almost like it was from, better when it wasn't transparent. When you see signing day and kids showing up in Lamborghinis, that's pretty transparent. Good point. Of what took place. Uh, however, the non-transparent that was a lease. The, <laughs> the non-transparent part is the part where we don't actually see the financial statements. And so, uh, that, now I will say this, and and T Bone, I've said this before when this thing first started. I I have zero issue with the players getting play, paid, especially. You know, the old joke of, you know, the professor may get mad. It's like, well, 86,000 didn't show up for your lecture this morning, but they showed up for that, something else. They didn't show up for a chemistry experiment. Right. Like, I get that. I totally get that. Much to a lot of people's dismay because everybody says, well, they are student athletes. Okay, well, you're still buying tickets. So let's keep that in mind, too. So let's not. But when is the when is the bubble burst? When when does let, let's just use the, the the you mentioned the Red Elephant Club a while ago. And okay. I, I played in, in Careful now. golf tournaments. Yeah, exactly. The machine's listening. Uh, I played in golf tournaments, and, and you see the guys that have them on the side of their hat or they have them on their shirt, and so you know you know where the money's coming from. How, how long before they're, they're putting into the Yay Alabama collective, and let's just say this guy gives $10 million, and he expects this, this, and this, and then that player does not perform. That five-star turns into a Byron Cowart that ends up having to go somewhere else. How long before they go and they come with their hand out 10 years from now and they say, okay, we need you to go ahead and give us another $10 million. No, not doing that because I gave you $10 million to make some good decisions and you apparently didn't make some good decisions and didn't put some, the right players on the field. So I do wonder when that's going to taper off. Right now it's still the new shiny thing. Hey, I can be a donor and I can give to a program and I can see results and we can make kids' lives change, like you said. That right. the lights can be turned on. If you haven't seen that documentary on on Perry Thompson and, and his condition study, yeah, you you see why that this is a good thing that it's helping some of these kids out, especially when it's used correctly. However, when they don't pan out, these guys that are given this money are also very savvy businessmen and they they want a return on that investment. And when that return doesn't happen, I do wonder if it's six years, if it's seven years, ten years down the road, uh, you don't see this kind of money flying around anymore because they don't see the rewards from giving it. People with big pockets generally have long memories. And, you know, no matter how much money someone has, they're not just going to continue to throw good money at, at, at bad money. Yeah. And I'm with you. It's like the, the bubble will burst. Mm-hmm. And when it does finally burst it's going to be one of the ugliest downfalls of any type of organization you've ever seen in sports Mm. it's going to be like the berlin wall falling it's going to be i remember where i was when the nil transfer portal and college football imploded Mm. and it's going to shut down twitter for a couple of days and people are going to be upset because you know look you and I come from the same uh, the same age. Mm-hmm. And college football was in its glory days when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. It was it, man. It was it was it was amazing, especially in this state. Mm-hmm. And and the rivalries and the bowl games and and you know the players numbers and, and you knew them by heart. It all meant something. We're, we're we're moving to a point where 
yeah, you know, the game will be on Saturday, and I'm always going to cheer for Auburn. But there's going to be people that kind of begin to look at it, like you said, like NFL fans who abandoned the NFL when players started taking a knee. You know, they're like, this is, this is getting into uncharted waters where it makes me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and, and that's not what sports is supposed to do. Mm. So I'm with you, and, and when people start giving good money to programs to get players and it doesn't work out or it gets into lawsuits or these players just take the money and run and then go to the next one and go to the next place like hire guns, they're going to stop doing that and they're going to find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to find somewhere else to definitely put their money. There's no doubt about it. Uh, getting to one of our last breaks of the hour before we uh, have to close out the show when we get the the drive guys that will be waiting in the wings here shortly is uh, uh, filling in for Jacob today. Is he, he asked me to do so. I was reluctant to do it, but then he told me T-Bone was going to be on here, and I said, <laughs> all right, I'm all in. So uh, I will see where he takes me to – I don't know if he promised me lunch, drinks, dinner, or all three. I'm not I, sure. I think it was all the above. Yeah, okay, we'll go, we'll go with all the above. He's not going to like that when he hears that. So uh, we'll have more here on on the line as uh, as he says. We made fun of him a little bit before the show that tells you like it is and it holds nothing, holds nothing back. back. We'll be right back. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We are back here at On the Line, ESPN 106.7. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's just flown by, Ben. Had a ton of fun with you, man. We're going to have to do this again. How about I come to WA&I one morning? I'll get up here with some biscuits, and we'll just let her rip. I love it. We can bring in food. I love that. I think we got a phone call to we wrap do. it all up here at the end of the show. Dak, my man, what's up, Dak? Hey, guys, man, to hear, just glad to hear that voice today, guys. Y'all make my day. <laughs> well, we, we appreciate you, man. You're one of our favorite callers. What's on your mind? Well, you know how much I miss breaking down film and, and uh, looking at stuff. And so I was very bored yesterday. And uh, so I started uh, doing a little research and breaking down stuff. And so I've got, I'm looking at what I predict the rest of the basketball Turnout's going to end up being okay. Okay, and uh, and then in a couple of days I'll call you back and see if you agree or disagree <laughs> with me. But right right now, as of today, if nobody gets injured and it, it goes as it's going, I've got Kentucky and Tennessee finishing thirteen and five. I got South Carolina, Bama, and Auburn finishing twelve and six, and then I have Georgia coming in eleven and a seven. Uh, if you look at our the home games out of those top six teams, Auburn has the toughest home games to play. Mm. You know, with uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, and South Carolina. Yeah, Auburn's schedule is about to get the, real. Yeah, and so and I've given Auburn at twelve and six with us winning those three home games. Woo. So that's pretty tough. Mm. Yeah, South Carolina has the tough uh, toughest schedule overall left. Bama has the easy home schedule left. And uh, let's see. And then Kentucky has the best schedule left. Yeah. The, as far as overall, they have the best schedule. So that's why I've got this order: Kentucky, Tennessee, thirteen and five; South Carolina, Bama, and Auburn at twelve and six; and Georgia at eleven and seven. So if Auburn were to finish twelve and six, that would be let's see here twenty overall twenty three and eight. That's right. 
with four more losses with, in the South in the SEC. With four more losses, but big wins at home over three yeah. of the top five teams in the league right, right now: Tennessee, Kentucky, and South Carolina. Twenty-three and eight. Ben, they would be a three or four seed easy. That's oh, right. Oh, yeah, they'd be I mean, easy. They'd, they'd, they'd be, be a three. three. Yes, they'd be a three because that also would get – and that, but that doesn't count what happens in the tournament, though, right? That's right. Yeah, so you win right. a couple of games count. in the tournament, maybe even make the championship game, you bump up to a two. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Auburn, Auburn's set up to – they got the type team that could go far in the tournament this year. I mean, just the def- defensively they can. Now, if they shoot like they've been shooting and don't rebound, right. we're talking about a whole different ballgame. Yeah, they're going to go but, home. Uh, but for, for right now, this and that's what everybody – and, Dak, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what a lot of people keep saying, too. A lot of these outsiders that keep looking, because Auburn's still without that quad one win, a lot of these outsiders right. keep saying, you know, the thing that people need to be scared about as far as Auburn is concerned is the fact that defense travels and they could just ruin somebody's night. That's right. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm hoping this Auburn team, and I can't remember, y'all can correct me, but I think it was, I think it was our Final Four run. But you remember, we started out just like we started out this year, and then we hit that mid, you know, where we went down about five or six games, and then we hit it hard. I mean, we, we got better and better from that moment on. And made a heck of a run. Is yeah. that was now, that the final four year? Yeah, it was. Or that, the next year? Yeah, no, it I, was that final four year because that team was not supposed to even do well. No, that team. Listen, Dak. I was talking to somebody about that this morning. They they were struggling, and they were struggling yeah. a little bit later into the season. There was even talk of. I don't like the guy because he always does this to us. But Jerry Palm had us on the bubble. And Auburn yeah. was over at Georgia, and that was not a great Georgia team. And Chuma Okiki had to hit a deep late three for Auburn to win that game. And after that, Auburn got on a run. They went up to Alabama and basically beat them down and then got red hot and destroyed Tennessee. I think they played South Carolina on the road, won, destroyed Tennessee at home and rolled into the SEC tournament at that point on fire. But that team had lost a lot of – well, I don't want to say a lot, but they had lost some ugly games like this team had this year. The, the, the yeah. next year, the team was the team that would get down to anybody by 25 points and come storming back and win. Yeah. And that was the yeah. COVID year, and it was a terrible injustice to that team because that team was even as hot or not hotter than the Auburn team the year before that went to the Final Four at the end of the season. Yeah, that team was poised. So uh, they, they were solid. I, I would love to see that. I, I think you, you're on to something, Dak. I think that that's something that could possibly uh, happen, and the reason being is just because um, this team – Everybody's leaning too much on recency bias, in my opinion, from Alabama and Mississippi State this past weekend. I think I, agree. I, I knew they were probably going to go through a lull at some point in time. That's where we are, and so they just got to come out of it, and they got to be they got to be stronger because of it. That's right. And the one thing that we're lacking is that dog at the end of the games. We we've got to find that person. That's you right. Know, when we went to that Final Four run, we had two of them. Mm-hmm. And 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 we just gotta have one. Well, you had three. I mean, Chuma was the same way. You That's if right. you needed a You're shot, right. if you had to have a shot, he was gonna knock it back. Yeah. So I'm yeah. with and you. I They're gonna have now, to have somebody at the end of the game that says, "Give me the ball. I got right. this." And right now we don't have that. We don't have somebody saying, "Give me the ball," and yeah. and want it in the way that we're seeing. No doubt, Dak. Appreciate it, man. We gotta get let these guys in. Timo, tell me where you're going tonight. I'll be there. <laughs>
<laughs> I think I'm going to be heading home tonight. <laughs> that was Dak, man. T-Bone had a big time, brother. Ben, it was fantastic. Let's do it again. Jacob, safe travels. Thank you to everybody for being here at On The Line, the show that calls it like it is here at 106.7 and holds nothing back. We will see you, and Jacob will be back tomorrow. 7.30 pregame, 8 o'clock tip, Wings 94.3, our sister station. Tune over for that, then Ole Miss this weekend. And don't forget, after the game this weekend as well. If you want to listen to News Talk, I'll be there tomorrow morning. T-Bone, be good, brother. You too, man.